Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we'll answer on each podcast as we get our heart and mind on Jesus. All scriptures quoted are from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing. When we speak of grace, we can think of two different meanings. In reference to a person like, she looks so graceful, we're referring to the person's demeanor, behavior, and aesthetic beauty altogether. When said of someone's demeanor towards someone else, like, our landlord was graceful to us, the word takes on another meaning, as in showing favor, kindness, or compassion. In the second example, grace involves showing favor towards someone. Favor can be shown because you like the person, or because you want something from the person, or simply out of the kindness of your heart because you're taking pity on them. In this latter context, we find compassion and grace often put together when referring to God's character. In our English language, to show grace to someone usually means they've done nothing to merit or warrant it. When this word is used to describe God's character, it means much more than that. People can show generosity or pity towards someone who may deserve it in their eyes, and it's still called grace, but God shows his favor, his compassion, and his pity on us, on the undeserving. There's absolutely nothing we can bribe God with or cause him to take interest in us other than the fact that we are his creation and he has a selfless and pure interest in us as a father does towards his children or as a husband toward his wife. We are examining the passage in Exodus 34, verse 6, which contains some of the characteristics of God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So last time we examined compassionate, which comes from the Hebrew root word rakum. And uh, this time we are looking at gracious, which comes from the Hebrew word kanun. So we had defined rakum as almost from the root word meaning womb, something protective, something warm, something that causes you to feel comfortable. Uh, this word gracious, coming from the Hebrew root word kanun, uh, almost always appears together with rakum in the Bible. So we always have compassionate and gracious appearing together uh, in the Bible and throughout various other passages. In modern English, we use the word grace to describe many different things, including how people treat others, gracious, and how people present themselves, graceful. The same dual meaning exists in Hebrew. By tracing the word through the Old Testament, we will gain a better understanding of what grace is and how special the grace of God is. We can look at Psalms, chapter 45, verse 1 and 2, where it reads, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful 
writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. So this metaphor here depicts the king's words as dripping with grace. Either the manner of speech or the outcome of the speech is filled with grace. Often we admire people with authority that have graceful speech, meaning not critical or prejudiced or pompous or arrogant, which are all the opposite of graceful. People are attracted to those whose words are full of grace. Their speech is very inviting because it makes them feel wanted. It's favorable to them. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 9, we read, She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. In this passage, grace is connected to aesthetic beauty. Wisdom is compared to a, a beautiful crown of grace. Elegant and beautiful things are sources of grace. They cause the viewer or the listener to respond with favor. And grace is not just the beauty of an object, but how it is perceived as beautiful by the observer. Grace generates a favorable response when someone sees or uses something they like, something that inspires them. It makes them feel beautiful. It makes them feel graceful. And we're attracted to things that make us feel special or appreciated. And this raises an interesting question. Do we only show people grace when we think they deserve it? What about when someone isn't graceful or, or doesn't warrant favor? What if you see someone wearing clothing that is disgraceful in your sight? Or, or maybe you hear them speak in a disgraceful way. Well, this is where God's grace, kanun, gets much deeper. Uh, kanun is a favoring of the unfavorable. And this belongs, this characteristic belongs and is attached to Yahweh. We look at uh, two passages here that kind of illustrate this. Esther chapter 7 verse 3 where it says, The Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition and spare my people. This is my request. And in Proverbs 14.31 we read, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind, gracious here in uh, the original language, kanun, to the needy, dishonors, I mean, sorry, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Whoever is gracious to the needy honors God. So in both of these cases, favor is being given toward groups that are not naturally favorable. The most genuine acts of grace are shown towards those who don't deserve it. So grace in this sense is the ability to treat something as beautiful and deserving of favor when maybe it's really not, or maybe some others don't consider it that way. One of the most consistent uses of favor in English translations is to find or give favor in the eyes of someone. As in Esther, right? The Assyrians, they didn't like the, the Jews. They didn't like the Hebrew people. They didn't think they were favorable people. They didn't think they were graceful. Yet, in this case, the queen is asking her, her husband, her king, if I have found favor, if you have found favor 
in me. So that puts Esther in that vulnerable position. I know that I uh, am not favorable to you, but if I have found that favor, please grant me my petition. And same in Proverbs 14.31, where if we're kind, if we show gracious to the needy, instead of kind of looking down at them, but if we show grace, if we're kind to them, then we are helping the vulnerable. We're turning something that may not be graceful into graceful for us. And so we are acting in keeping with God's character. And this is all over the place in the story of Joseph from beginning to end. You know, it's all about finding favor, but I'm just going to focus on this one verse here, Genesis 39, verses 2 through 4. We read, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor. And this is from the Hebrew word ken, uh, which, you know, is closely associated with kanun. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So Potiphar, seeing grace in Joseph, generates a response of favor when he makes him his household manager. And we see this phrase, find favor in the eyes of the Lord or of whomever. And this is used 69 times in the Hebrew Scriptures. And most often, the person who finds favor is in a subordinate position, is in a vulnerable position. In other words, the favor is always given as a gift. It's undeserved. The person has done nothing to deserve it. And so this use of ken in the Bible is what highlights the grace, the favor that God shows his creation, which is fundamental to his character. And for most of human history, receiving a gift puts you in the giver's debt. And for example, Joseph receiving his master's favor uh, and in being entrusted with his whole household, that, that was a gift. But it was also an increase of responsibility. Joseph felt the weight of that. And this favor that was shown to him is what kept him from falling for Potiphar's wife's advances, even to the point of losing his favor in the eyes of his master because he didn't want to lose favor that he knew he had with God. He understood that God's favor is what caused him to have favor with others. This is something that even an unbeliever like Potiphar was able to discern, as we read in Genesis 39, 2-4, that Potiphar, he saw that it was the Lord who gave success to Joseph, and that's why he found favor. So this grace, this ken, uh, is very unique to God is something that we learn from God and that we see right from Genesis. God showing this compassion and this favor to the unfavorable. It's very unique to God. And Noah was the very first person to find this favor in the eyes of the Lord. As we read in Genesis 6, verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. At a time when everyone's thoughts and inclinations of the heart were nothing but evil and God wanted to get rid of humanity, he, he repented that he had created mankind because it brought nothing but pain to his heart. There was one man, Noah. He earned 
God's favor by being blameless, by being a truth lover, a truth seeker. And this is in contrast to Jacob, whom we read about later, who was a deceiver. He cheated people, and he was cheated too. Uh, yet, Jacob eventually says to his brother Esau in Genesis 33:11, Please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all that I need. Noah and Jacob both receive God's favor, one for being righteous, one for standing out in the midst of evil and wickedness, and the other one being shown favor in spite of his deceiving behavior. And this is unique among the cultures of that generation. Many cultures believed in showing grace only to those who deserved it. But the Bible is the first place that we see uh, elevated this value of showing generosity and grace towards undeserving people, to, towards people that we might not find favorable. And this was a scandalous thing in the ancient world, and it still turns heads today, because our reaction usually to a bum on a corner uh, is kind of like to stay away from them. We don't find them graceful. We don't find them... Uh, we don't want to show favor to them, but if we follow in God's footsteps, if we are children of God, the compassion will move us to show grace, to show favor towards someone that others might think uh, are not deserving of that. So understanding how God transcends human reason to show favor towards those who don't deserve it helps us understand the significance of Exodus 34 and the golden calf story that we've spoke about a few weeks earlier. Not only does God not banish the people, but he shows them favor because graciousness is one of his defining characteristics. And so we come to Jesus. Jesus himself is the realization, the embodiment of God's grace. Nowhere is that more clearly shown than in the Gospel of John. John, right away, right in the beginning, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a few verses down in verse 14, he says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace here in the New Testament is translated from the Greek word karis, which means an undeserved gift, something you cannot afford, something you cannot earn. And this is in keeping with the uniqueness of God's grace, favoring the unfavorable, gifting the undeserving. And Jesus is the embodiment of God's characteristic of grace. As the Hebrew author himself says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. In Colossians 2.9, Paul says, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So in Jesus, we see God's compassion, as we discussed last time. In Jesus, we see the embodiment of God's grace. And Jesus exhibited the compassion and the grace of God in no other human, in no other form, no other human was able to do this which is why when we look at Jesus, we learn what the real meaning of love is. 
John will say at the at the ending of this prologue in John 1, 16 and 17, out of his fullness, out of Jesus' fullness, we all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So John is emphasizing the grace shown to us by God through Jesus Christ. We have received he says here, grace in place of grace already given. That's grace on top of grace. Is that possible? To receive undeserving gifts is one thing, but to receive undeserving gifts one on top of the other in plentiful abundance, well, that's the grace of God. And that's what Jesus came to bring. Life to the full, as he says in John chapter 10, verse 10. And so here at the end of this First, here in verse 17, John 1, 17, the law is contrasted with Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. So through the law, uh, the law was given to Moses. We didn't really know much of grace, although God was graceful, right? But now grace and truth, the fulfillment of this, the abundance of them came through Jesus Christ. And so now in Jesus, we're able not just to receive grace, but like he says here, to receive grace in place of grace already given. Because God let us live this long. Because God took us this far so that we could understand and appreciate Jesus Christ. And so that now when we look at our lives and we understand how undeserving we are of his grace because of sin, because we've uh, trusted things instead of God, because we've trusted our own heart, instead of God, and by that have become prejudiced and hateful, if we realize those things, now we will say, I want to become this new person. I want to be part of this grace. I want to be invited into this grace. I want to receive this grace on top of grace through Jesus Christ. And the first step to take in becoming a Christian is to understand that, yes, you are the vulnerable one. You are the one being shown grace. You are in the vulnerable position. You are in the unfavorable position. But you can take upon that invitation today by believing, by changing the way you think, changing the way you act, changing the way you behave, and taking that first step in becoming a Christian by being baptized in Jesus' name and learning to live a life full of grace and truth by following in Jesus' footsteps. May God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at kingdom underscore saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.